0: So I was at home. Um, I I was a highly competitive fencer. Um, and I had just completed a fencing competition earlier in the day, and I just got home from it. And I was lying on the floor playing with my dog. And uh, he just went to kiss my face, and I turned my head to avoid it, and I felt a crunch in the back of my neck. And... There was like a heartbeat, and
1: then my head just exploded into pain. My name is Uma Kocher Lakota, and you're listening to In the Books, a podcast about stories of medicine and history. This week, we're going to start a two part series about strokes. Today, we'll talk about what happens when somebody has a stroke, and next time, we'll talk about stroke rehabilitation.
0: my first thought was I maybe I should take some Tylenol cause I have a big headache. I went upstairs to get the Tylenol and I, I couldn't make it back downstairs on my own. My wife was home at the time. She wasn't around yet. She was downstairs. Um, so she kind of heard me calling for her on the stairs and came upstairs and helped me down. And we, we had no clue what was going on. Um, I was trying to get dizzy and, uh, my equilibrium was a bit off. Um, so we, this is, this is Sunday. We didn't know what was going on. Um, so we called our doctor and to ask her what to do. And there was this, the doctor called us back and said, get to a hospital. Um, we happened to be about five minutes away from our hospital. So my wife drove me there, um, We should have, in retrospect, just called the 911 and had the the paramedics do it. Um, But we were very confused. We didn't understand what was going on.
1: This is James Farone. Eight years ago, as a 35-year-old at the peak of health, he had a stroke. And doctors couldn't figure out why. We'll get back to his story later. Greg Freeze is a paramedic and editor-in-chief of the website EMS1.com, a news and information website used by EMTs and paramedics across the globe. He describes the typical course of a stroke.
2: So a stroke is a neurovascular accident that there's either a blood vessel in the patient's brain that's been obstructed by a clot or a blood vessel that's ruptured open, so blood is spilling into the free, free space around uh, the brain tissue. So it either either cause an ischemic stroke or a hemorrhagic stroke, what's happening is that the brain tissue beyond that uh, rupture in a vessel or that clog, the tissue beyond it is being denied its supply of oxygen and glucose and, you know, really what uh, cells need to function.
1: One of the most important ways to help stroke victims, according to Freeze, is identifying when somebody is having a stroke. And he talks about the acronym F-A-S-T.
2: Face. F stands for face. Ask the person to smile. Does one side of the face droop? A is for arms. Ask the person to raise both arms. Does one drift? Does one of those arms drift downward? Speech. Ask the person to repeat a simple phrase. Is their speech slurred or strange? And then T is for time. If you observe any of these signs, call 911 immediately. And time is so important because there are interventions that can be performed at the hospitals.
1: As Freeze describes, time is vital for a stroke victim. The more time that the brain tissue goes without receiving blood, the more brain tissue dies. And the more difficult the recovery process is. And that's something that we're going to get into next time.
0: They they admitted me immediately, which... I've been in the hospital a lot of times. They don't interview you immediately unless something's very, very wrong. So that's the first sign that, that to me, that something bad was happening. Um, she tried to – I remember she tried to interview me because I, 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 I kind of lost my ability to walk. Uh, so they had me in a wheelchair, and she was trying to interview me a little bit. And after a couple of questions, she's like, all right, let's – they brought me into the nearest room to start testing. Um They – Took a lot of blood. I, I remember somewhere between 16 and 20 vials of blood were taken from me. They did a spinal tap. It took them four tries to get the spinal tap. Um, I remember they had one of the one of the the uh, the technicians was talking to me to distract me while the other guy was doing the spinal tap, and uh, they had some sort of numbing sen- numbing uh, thing to. You know, so I wouldn't feel the, the pain as much. And uh, it wore off after the second try. Um, so the, the the third and fourth try were very painful. But they finally got it in the fourth try and the guy was just like, I want to take as much as possible while I have a line. So they took a lot of spinal fluid. Um, they took me down for a CAT scan and ran that. Um, they did – the next morning they did an MRI, but it wasn't right then and there. Um, that's the test that I remember. There was a lot of doctors, and there was a lot going on, and I was obviously, you know, a lot going on in my brain, so I don't remember all of it. Um, I do remember that I had to throw up at some point, and it took a while for my body to remember how to throw up.
1: We left James Ferrone, our stroke victim from the beginning of the episode, while he was on his way to the hospital. And when he finally got there, it became even more obvious that something was very wrong. Ferrone's stroke was so unlikely, it took doctors months to diagnose. So, when did they diagnose that you had actually had a stroke?
0: Uh, two months later. They actually, they, with, with the uh, MRI that they did... They saw what they said was evidence of an old bleed, um, and they diagnosed me with a condition called transverse myelitis, um, which turned out to be wrong. Um, the, the bleed was more recent than, I guess, their test came up with. Uh, they Honestly, they went through everything, and uh, they, the, my, the doctor there, the um, neurologist, basically said, I don't understand what's going on. I want to send you to a teaching hospital that might have something better for you. Um, so they direct me to, uh, UMDNJ, the university of medicine and dentistry in New Jersey, um, which is a good collegiate teaching hospital. And they ran every test that they had basically on, on my blood. Um, they literally, they ran tests that they've never run before. Because um, I'm waiting and they're saying, I'm sorry it's taking so long, but we have to look up some of these codes because we've never run these tests before. Um, and the doctors there couldn't find anything. They didn't understand what was going on. So they sent me to uh, University of Penn Hospital in Philadelphia. Um, it was that doctor that finally looked at everything. They gave me a... Uh, further MRIs. They gave me, um, it would have been my second, I think, MRI, and they also gave me an MRA. Um, and that's when the doctor said, yeah, you had a stroke.
1: Next time, we'll discuss the effects of strokes, including long-term rehabilitation. So make sure you stay tuned in to In the Books. Until then, for 91.3 WHJE, this has been Uma Kocher-Lakota. For more stories like this, visit WHJE.com.